What's up, traders? Anthony Crudelli here, and thank you for tuning in to this live stream of the Futures Radio Show podcast. If you're watching on Twitter, please give us a retweet. And if you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and hit that like button so you don't miss an episode of the Futures Radio Show podcast. Today, we have a true legend on the show, Larry Williams. I can't tell you how excited I am to speak with Larry. I remember when I started my career as a trader 23 years ago, and I got my computer actually at a gateway. And I went online. Even though I was on the floor, I was still going online to see what information I could learn about trading. And one of the only people I could find that was teaching anything about commodities, about futures, was Larry Williams. And I've had the great pleasure to, to meet him in person. I mean, this guy is just, I just think he's the best. I'm so, so excited to bring him uh, here to you guys today. Today, Larry and I are going to talk about his trading style. He's been doing this for over 60 years, so obviously a lot to learn from him. We're going to talk about why he created indicators and if he thinks other traders should too. Then we're going to go to the charts to see what indicators Larry's using, all the stuff that he's looking at on his screen, and we'll ask him what he thinks about the markets right now. We will be taking your questions live, but only in YouTube. So if you're on Twitter, hop over to YouTube and please put them in the YouTube chat. But before we bring Larry on, I want to remind all of you about micro treasury futures. If you think that rates are going to start moving like I do. And I'll actually ask Larry uh, today what he thinks about rates. Be sure to pull up these symbols so you know what the yields are trading, 2YY, 5YY, 10Y, and 30Y. To learn more about micro treasury futures, go to cmegroup.com. Futures Radio Show is sponsored by CME Group, Trading Technologies, TradeStation, and FTSE Russell. The Russell 2000 is a key benchmark for small cap US stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 futures symbol RTY and Micro E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol M2K. To learn more about FTSE Russell and their products, please visit footsierussell.com. We've got the man, Larry. How are you? Oh, I'm getting along. Thanks, Andrew. Thank uh, you. So, look, I talked about how I I didn't even use Google back then. I don't even think Google was a thing, but I remember searching about commodities and really you're the only person doing education on commodities. I'm just curious, why did you choose commodities as your product to trade? I mean, you weren't because you weren't on the floor. I, I don't believe so. Um, and and what made you, you know, start doing videos back in the day when no one was even doing this? Well, my my career began as a stock trader in the 1960s. And uh, what caught my attention to commodity markets was was pointed out to me back then commissions on stocks were based a percentage of the total dollars involved. So if you're buying, say, $10,000 of a stock, you paid about 1% as a commission charge. It was a lot of money. Uh, but you could trade a commodity uh, without margin debt. You don't have any margin cost. And the commission was about $45. So it was like maybe $400 to trade a stock versus the same thing in commodities for $45. So it looked to me like a whole lot better deal. An old broker at Walston and Company had seen my trading and he said, you know, Larry, you really should look at commodities because you got a sense for the market. You're timing your stuff really well here, but you get more bang for your buck trading futures. I had no idea what they were, frankly, I didn't know. <laughs> I'd always heard they're really dangerous, right? Uh, and they still are, by the way. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, but uh, that was, it was just really the cost of overhead business, the cost of business, doing business. And maybe because of my Montana background, growing up in a rural agricultural state, that appealed to me. Maybe my fear of Wall Street. I mean, 
Wall Street. A kid from Montana. Hello. This is my family didn't own stocks. We had no idea what they were. So probably some fear too. Like uh, that's over my head, but maybe I could understand cattle and wheat and things that I grew up with. Did you just call all the orders into the floor back then? Well, initially, no. You sat in the brokerage firm <laughs> and you walk into your broker's office and say, hey, Joe, I want to buy this or that. So that was really, uh, that was the 1960s. Eventually got to the point you could call your broker and place <laughs> orders. And of course, now we don't know what a broker is. Um, so, so they're extinct like dinosaurs. But initially, uh, most active traders sat in brokerage firms all day long. And at the end of the day, you walked out of there. What did you use for your trading decisions? Was it charts? Was it uh, macro? <laughs> it was, it was uh, uh, my two friends uh, guessing by golly, I think is what I was using the most back then. Uh, you know, I first started reading, of course, because I've always been a bookaholic type of guy. And uh, I acquired a lot of books, read a lot of books and started practicing what was in the book that didn't work. <laughs> and so I thought, well, I, I, I better do something else here. And so I just started getting a lot of data and doing research. Punch cards, of course, that was maybe 1967, 68, we were punching things into, you know, what we used to call computers and, uh, and thinking a lot um, about what drives markets. Why do they go up and why do they go down? So a lot of my time was spent just in contemplation uh, and then saying, well, if that's true, how can I establish that with some type of indicator or mathematical approach? Yeah, you know, I think you starting from that place, what's so interesting to me is, I mean, I started on the floor, but nothing like what where you started from and just having to understand just basically about markets before you're even, you know, sitting there and and having this unbelievable access like we do now, I think it actually, I'm, I'm actually curious, how much of you starting from that place helped you evolve to become the trader that you are? Well, I think it was probably very helpful because in my case, I was fortunate. There were a couple of really good brokers that were much more into learning about the markets and technical analysis than they were ever in sales. They didn't make much money. I think it went into other businesses later on. And two old timers in the brokerage firm that came in every day um, and would talk about the markets. And uh, they had some really poignant points to make to a young man. And they saw when I got too emotional, too over-involved, one of the fellows, Murray, had marked down Bank of America 200 points on the crash in 1929. He, he was there for the crash, a boardroom marker in Los Angeles. And so there's a lot of history, a lot of patina from these guys, I think, wore off on me. And the other thing is that uh, we, we didn't know anything back then. We didn't have many indicators, had no clue about money management. So you learn by doing. And boy, that's a great way to learn by just making errors and, and, and stumbling into stuff. Uh, that was a, a real advantage. Right now, you can get a jillion indicators, instant market quotes. Do you learn anything by doing all that? Probably not. Yeah, that's what I mean. I feel like with today's markets, you're opening up an account in a few hours, right? You could be trading within 24 to 48 hours, and you really don't know much about anything that you're even trading. You're just looking at a chart. You're looking at a Oh, screen. you're talking about Bitcoins here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, crypto. You could be trading in minutes. Yeah. 
And I yeah, just it, it, it was back then. Data was delivered slower. I mean, the world sped up a lot, so you had time to contemplate and think about things. Yeah. Uh, and and the markets were real markets um, until the mid 1970s. We didn't have futures that were abstracts. I'd call an abstract dollar index, uh, treasury bills, treasury bonds. Those are abstract markets. They don't exist any place in nature. We were trading pork bellies, cattle, hogs. Uh, potatoes, wheat, corn, real things. So I think that got my interest in like the real markets because people really do need wheat. You don't need crypto corn. You don't need Home Depot, but you're going to have to have gold or wheat or soybeans at some point in your life. So those were real markets. And I've always associated more like that's the real stuff. People need this stuff. Is that what you're focusing on still trading these days? Mostly the real markets? <laughs> uh, no, I've, I do abstract markets as well, um, but I'm more naturally drawn to the major markets where we have large volume now. So I'm trading treasury bonds, S&P minis, uh, gold, uh, energies, and grains. That's where my focus is on those five markets. At what point did you start becoming as technically focused as you are? I mean, you've created indicators. About a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, my, I don't remember any of this stuff. <laughs> um, well, I think I was technical right away because um, I saw fundamental guys in the markets and they weren't doing very well. And so <laughs> in retrospect, this is so silly. I just, well, if you can look at a chart, you can figure this out. Remember, my I started as an art major in college. And so me, I'm very visual. And I could see associations. They may not exist, but I saw them. And I figured, well, all I got to do is look at a chart and figure out it's going to go up or down. <laughs> so from the, from the get-go, I was looking at charts. Later on, I realized that the fact is that fundamentals cause markets to move. Charts just show what's happened. They don't show what's going to happen. Fundamental conditions uh, really show what's going to happen. So then I was able to combine both the fundamentals with looking at those damn charts. <laughs> you mentioned that you had that artistic background. How much of trading do you feel is artistic, we'll say? Well, there's certainly some there. I call it the art of trading. Uh, if you look at mechanical traders, they don't do as well. Mechanical trading systems, they don't do as well as actual, actual traders. I distinctly recall having dinner one night with Steve Cohen, who's the world's greatest trader ever, and looking at his results, and he's not a mechanical trader. And I go, oh, finally hit me, you know. This guy's amassed a massive fortune, and he's not mechanical. And it made me really realize that you can make money with automatic trading systems. I have some been trading for many years. They're consistently, they make money, but they don't make massive amounts of money. The massive amounts of money come from... Maybe it's an art. Maybe it's figuring out, getting edge in the game, uh, uh, thinking about this instead of just following some black box. Interesting. So I, I want to talk about the indicators a little bit because there are so many indicators out there. And I feel that it's a lot of them are redundant. A lot of them are, are, are a lot of the same. And well, everybody the with a computer has an indicator now. Anybody yeah. can build an indicator. And they, they are terribly redundant. My take on indicators is you need to know each indicator must have a specific purpose. 
and people put on stochastics, my percent R, MACD, uh, channel index, they're, they're all the same thing. There's not an ounce of bit of difference between any of them. The difference comes in two areas. First of all, what time amount of time are you putting into that indicator? Usually most indicators are 10 and 20 day time frames. Why? Because before we had computers, that's how we ran numbers. We didn't have adding machines when I started. And all those indicators, even the ones that were constructed before I began, all used 20, 10 and 20 day averages or 50 day, because that was easy to do on an adding machine, but not on a, we didn't have calculators. So that's one thing, but it, the other, so what's the time frame? The time frame of the indicator should match the time frame of what you're trading. Secondly, each indicator that I have has a different purpose. So I have some indicators to measure accumulation, some to measure trend, some to measure momentum in the market, some to measure time periods like cycles and seasonals. So each indicator is there for a very specific purpose on my chart. Not there just goes, oh, it looks like a good indicator. I've, I've gone through that phase. Each indicator must have a specific function to help you understand the markets a little bit better. I think this is one of the most important things. Uh, I know I learned this from you, and, and that's exactly what you said, having an indicator to have a purpose. Because when I first started pulling up my indicators, and I look at my background coming from the pit, and then when I started to pull up, uh, even 20-something years ago, there was a 1,000 indicators uh, and I and I looked at it and I'm like, okay, I, I just kept trying every single thing. And at some point, my screen was so full of indicators, I really wasn't even looking at price action. I was just looking at indicators. And I started to realize after watching some of your stuff and understanding his purpose, how much of how much do you want to have on a chart? Because if we say it's for purpose, do you do you, do you think you need something for momentum? Do you need something for mean reversion? Do you need something for X? How much do you think a trader really needs to have to have these indicators for each purpose? I'd bifurcate that into two distinct ways of doing it. First of all, I have weekly charts that I look at every Saturday morning, just like a religion. I go to the Larry Williams Church of Commitment to Traders <laughs> and I look at my weekly because that's where I think you can best see the fundamentals and the setups, things that cause markets to move. So I'll look at seasonals. I'll look at commitment to trader report advisory sentiment index, valuation, uh, models that I've developed that not always, but usually are harming of what's to come in the future. Then once I get that established, like this market is set up to rally, then I'll go to the daily charts because the daily charts serve a specific and different purpose. The weekly charts are to say, this market's set up, it should have a big move. The daily charts then get a time like, oh, we have a trend change here or a breakout or whatever, but the daily charts are much more about entry and the weekly charts about setup this market is ready for a move we better start looking for buy signals go to the daily charts to find uh, the buy signals do you go ever lower time frame than daily or no i did it a few years ago it cost me money no i i don't i just a daily you know i'm an old man i'm almost 80 years old so <laughs> what do i need with a 15 minute bar chart i'm like get out of here uh, daily charts work fine I, I actually think the more data you have the more confused you become so what i want a lot of data i mean that's just me but uh, i don't want a lot of data from because the more data you have the more decisions you'll make and this business you tend to make the wrong decisions most of the time. 
I totally agree with that. I've learned to just keep a couple of things. And the more data I have, you're right, the more confused I get too. And I get confused easily, Larry. So I I want to talk about, you, you said you're almost 80 years old. And something that I want to actually discuss is, and I think this is important, I think for a longevity of career, you're still doing this. And you're as passionate about it as I'm sure you were from when you first started. Because every time I talk with you, whether it's email or I haven't seen you in person in a couple of years, you, you just have so much passion for this business. You have passion for life. And, and one of the things I know you do is you, you spend a lot of time working away from the screens on your physical uh, health. How much do you believe um, physical health that you've been able to sustain over your career has really helped you as a trader? Immensely. Wealth is not health. One of my very best friends, marathon running buddy, we probably ran 20, 30 marathons together. <laughs> very, very wealthy guy uh, died. Uh, and as he was dying, he said, Larry, I'd give you all the money I have if I just feel good for one day. And that really registered with me that really, if you want to stay in trade, I like to trade. Uh, if you want to continue to do this, you better be healthy. So really going way back to the 1970s, I read a book by Adele Davis. And at that, I played football in college as a moderately successful athlete, but I got way overweight, out of shape. And it really was a wake up call that yeah, I better do something. I want to live a long time. I want to add life to my years. And uh, that was the start of a, a longevity journal that I'm uh, journey that I'm still on today, trying to figure out, well, take this, take that. I mean, you name it, I've probably taken it. Um, in the, in the idea of maybe there's something that could help us live longer or live better at least, maybe not necessarily live longer, but that I can be more cogent than somebody else my age. And, and it's not just taking things, it's like clearly exercising, uh, watch what you eat, watch what you do. Everything your mom and dad told you, damn it, they're right. <laughs> it was true. <laughs> there's no easy way about this stuff. You know, it's just, it, you know, they're pretty simple rules. I want to talk about your routine a little bit. And just give us a day in the life of Larry, you know, things that you're doing in terms of preparing for your markets that you're going to be trading, maybe some things you do away from the screen, how much time you're spending at the screens um, just to prepare yourself to, to be a trader. Well, my daily uh, routine, if you will, and what begins again is on Saturday where I look over my setup markets and find out what markets I think are ready to move this coming week begins there. Then um, I'll watch the markets a little bit during the day, not much really, because I have other things to do. I am most likely going to work out in the morning or go for a run or I'll go to the gym and work out uh, something to stay in shape. I'm really impressed with data that shows from the Framingham study, people that live the longest in America, are the people that had the best lung function. Uh, and people that walk live longer than people that don't walk. People that walk fast live longer than people that don't walk fast. So to me, the whole longevity thing is lungs are number one. You really have to have a great lung function. However you do that, singing, yelling as a day trader, shouting, exercising, that's going to be really, really helpful. So I will exercise not always once a day, but usually uh, for about an hour, uh, sometimes a little bit longer. And I, I will be competitive and age events uh, you know, I have competitive i think all traders have a competitive feeling to them so i do like to compete still but then my my daily stuff really starts uh as the markets close uh the markets close then i look at what to me are the key short-term indicators and i make notes i don't know if i you can see my 
but I've got my notebook every day and I write in my little, you know, here's my trades for tomorrow. I'm up, down, narrow, so it would mean something to me, of course, but uh, then I'm prepared uh, and then I stop. I walk away from it. I come back maybe 30 minutes later and review what I just looked at. And then cause sometimes I see things that aren't there uh, or I, I make up things, you know, we all, yeah, uh, Joe Biden's a good guy or a bad guy. It doesn't matter what you think of the guy, but we'll read that into the charts. And I just stand back and say, well, wait a minute. Hold on. Look at it again. Then I can say, okay, I do have a good buy signal for tomorrow. I put my buy point here. My stop is here. and I'm done. I place my orders. I'm done. True. Until the next day in the afternoon. I think that traders spend way too much time at the screen because they think that the more time that they spend there, the better that they're going to get. And and it just doesn't work that way. I, I mean, I think you need to have a ton of screen time, but you don't need to be in front of them all of the time. I think sometimes, Larry, what do you think? Maybe when you when you remove yourself for that little bit of time, you actually start to take in the thoughts uh, that you were having at the screen. And a lot of times I'll, I'll get my best trade ideas when I'm not at my screen, because when I come back, I just feel refreshed and I've had time to actually think about some of the things I'm seeing and I recognize things better. This is such a strange business and anything else that I have done in my life, the harder you work, the more productive you can be. And in this business, the harder you, the closer you look at the markets, uh, again, more data, you, the more often you're gonna screw things up. So you do need to stand back from it that doesn't mean you can't spend a lot of time in research. I probably was up this morning about two o'clock doing research on my 2022 forecast. So some ideas that I want to examine and look at. So I spent a lot of time in research, but in terms of actual trading, very little time. Uh, and part of that, uh, which you touched on briefly, is that there's a communication between me and my chart. I'm looking at my chart right now. I go, well, yeah, I see something, but... Uh, I'm overriding with my thoughts because I read something about the market here and my friend said this and my wife says that. And so I'm reading all this stuff in. And so I don't really listen to the market. And we do that in, in our personal lives. We don't really listen to what people say to us. We kind of, oh yeah, we know what they're going to say. So we skip forward. We don't really listen to them. And I found that the ability to really listen to people helps me as a trader. So I just focus like, what are they really saying here? And listen intently is so hard to do because literally just gloss over what people say. You know what they're going to say anyway, right? And it's the same thing in the market. So I will stand back from my screen five, six feet and just look at it. Say, well, wait, wait a minute. Break your trance here. What's really going on? And it's, so there's this communication and the same weaknesses we have as people with relationships with people, I think we have with the other important partner in our life those charts. Yeah, I mean, that's so well said. And I, I want to go back to writing things down for a minute because I do the same thing that you do. I, I take notes all the time and I've learned from several other traders. Obviously, when I started on the floor, you know, everything we did was we wrote down. But I, I think that I don't think enough traders are writing things down enough. Do you feel that your notes by actually physically writing something down helps really help you going back to the communication that you have with yourself and the market, like how much do you think that the notes are playing a role in your success? Well, it, it, a huge amount. And for three reasons, first of all, it establishes a discipline. 
each and every day at the end of the day, I sit down and do it. So I'm disciplined to do this thing. It would be like going to work. If you have a job, you're going to show up at nine o'clock, eight o'clock, whatever. That's a discipline. So it enforces the discipline of doing it. Secondly, it organizes your thoughts. So that's the second point. Your thoughts are yes. organized and not just random. And third, and perhaps the most important, is you're going to have losing trades. You can go back and look at hey, what did I, what was I thinking here? What did I do wrong? I firmly believe the market is always trying to tell us a, a message. It's a great teacher. But instead of saying, well, I was stopped out, it was, they did it, whatever. You go back and look at your losing trades and say, what is the market trying to teach me? I know in my case, they've been trying to teach me, I need to have better targets. I need to get out of better, better points. I had good entries, good selection. I have, I, well, not perfect, but I don't have much problem there. Boy, I'm sure doing targets. So the market will teach you something, but you don't know that unless you have the data to go back and say, uh, what did I do wrong? What was that trade I lost money? I feel you, we tend to forget things that are painful. So you don't review your trades. But because you do the discipline, you have trades, you can review your trades and hopefully find your errors and correct the error of your way. You mentioned targets. Do your do you have targets that are just set there or do you trail stops? How do you get out of trades? Well, I set my target and then I, as the market gets close, I took it up more and more. And more. <laughs> <laughs> so I never get out. <laughs> That's how I do it. <laughs> oh, don't tell them that. <laughs> um, I have uh, swing point targets. I think there are some points in the market that are important, but my, my problem is I just get to agree. They go, oh, we're going a little higher. <laughs> of course it doesn't. So I've, I've, that's my lesson in learning. Um, but I, I think that if a market moves, say, from uh, 50 to 80 and pulled back to 60, it should move the same amount that it pulled back from 80 to 60. If it can get above 80, it should go about that amount above 80. So it's just simple swing point stuff. And uh, Tom DeMar's got some exit target rules I also use. Um, nothing really fancy, nothing elaborate. A lot of it's just protecting your profits. How much do you think markets have changed? I mean, obviously over the, the course of the 60 years, you've seen a lot of change, but let's go, let's, let's go about it this way. What, in what periods have you seen the most change in markets? Since 2002, when we began electronic trading, when you and I traded and it was pit trading, the pace was a lot simpler, uh, was uh, not as fast as today. So everything sped up uh, and it, then we had overnight gaps, which you don't have those anymore. So there's a huge difference there. Um, but the main thing is everybody instantly throughout the world has the same data available now. So there's not as much of an edge for some people as maybe there was back then. And, it, and cycles are shorter now. They're faster, they're quicker than they ever were before because as news comes in, news comes out, new traders come in, new products things we never even imagined before. So it's a faster pace now. Uh, than it was uh, when I was a kid. I wish I was a kid again. I wish I had all that energy and I had so much uh, fire and burn in my belly and now I have a big belly and so much fire. <laughs> That's the problem, I think. Uh, that, it, you know, it takes a lot more focus because it's a lot faster market than it ever was. So what is the number one thing you've done or the, the, the things that you have done to adapt to these changing markets? Well, I had to get rid of all my oops trades, my opening th things based on gap openings in the market because we don't have gap openings anymore. Uh, 
that was a big thing. Uh, the fundamentals still are the same. Nothing's changed there. Uh, more emphasis on momentum in the market. I think that once the market starts to go, it has momentum. And there, there, this is an interesting point to me. There are patterns in momentum, not patterns in price. Patterns in price, I think, are very deceptive. But there are patterns in momentum that are repeatable. So I'm looking for those momentum patterns uh, as a short-term trader. Not price patterns, but momentum patterns. We're going to go to your charts here in just a, a minute. Um, give everybody a little idea of some of the things that we're going to be looking at. Well, I don't know. We're going to go my charts. I'll show you one that's really interesting. Um, in the last seven or eight years, what's fascinated me the most is predicting the future. I was always fascinated with it before, but I couldn't do it very well. Um, but I think that I have learned a lot more about how to know what's going to happen in the future. There's a couple of ways of doing that. Cycles, uh, price patterns from the past, and also intermarket analysis. And you think about it for a moment, I'll show an example in a second here. If a company um, has a huge amount of debt, interest rates are going to affect their bottom line because they have to pay more interest rates, they have to get financing, etc. So interest rates should affect the price of the stock. Um, if you're raising cattle and you're going to feed them soybean meal, there's probably a strong relationship between soybean meal prices and cattle prices. So that's fascinated me the most uh, over the last few years in terms of forecasting the future. I still look at cycles and a lot of time frames that fascinate me. But fundamentally, uh, to think, well, wow, this market can give me an advance of that market. Uh, gives us a fundamental insight into the future, not technical. And I think we have more confidence with fundamental insights. All right, traders, we're going to pause for a quick moment. Larry's going to get his charts up and then we're going to look at the market. So get ready to start asking uh, uh, Larry questions in the YouTube chat. We'll be right back. Replace your exchange with TradeStation Crypto. Dealing with multiple exchanges is complicated and it takes time, except with TradeStation Crypto. Because we are not an exchange, we are a broker. You have access to multiple pools of liquidity, all in one platform, in one account, one way. Trade crypto your way, plus earn interest on your eligible cryptocurrencies. Get started in one click. Trade the global markets with trading technologies. TT is the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. Now with integrated tools for advanced options trading, cryptocurrencies, and trade surveillance. Learn more at tradingtechnologies.com. Okay, Larry, we are at the charts. I see the E-mini S&P daily up here. Uh, tell us what we're looking at. Well, this is simply a daily chart of the S&P E-mini is well and good, whatever. But the red line is a forecast of what this market should be doing. And that forecast, if I can go back in time on it a little bit here, is based on crude oil prices. So the red line that you see is nothing but crude oil prices extended into the future. And as you can see, that's been pretty good roadmap. That's generally the roadmap that things follow. Uh, crude oil is kind of the black gold of today's society. Everybody's got to have crude oil. So it could be a really good leading indicator, as we see here. I try to give you some, a little bigger time frame of this market. And you can go back in time and see, look at that. Hmm. Even the low point that we saw 
there's a high correlation, and I think there's causation of the energy market to stock prices you can see here. Sorry about scrolling it on out, but you, you get the idea. Uh, generally, it's right now it's a lead time of about 40 days. Uh, you can also look at it on a longer time frame, weekly basis, but clearly what happens to energy markets has an influence on the stock prices. I have another chart I'd like to show if, if I can. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go to uh, this one. Okay. So what we're looking at here, uh, let's go back and time on it as well. This is um, interest rates and, and that's the blue line and the notice how closely they're correlated here. The black line of the stock is American Airlines. American Airlines has $4 billion of debt. So guess what? One of the most expensive things for them to do with their overhead issues is interest rates. So the interest rates affect the American Airlines? Well, I'll let you look at the chart and see if you think. This line is known a couple of years in advance, by the way. So this peak that we see that sells off here, well, that was known a couple of years in advance, as you'll see in a moment how this works. And this is where we are now. So notice we have the blue line going out. This is where we are right now, but we've got a vision of American Airlines out for about a, almost two years. Oh, the price stock up a little bit here. So interest rates can forecast transportation stocks because what do all transportation companies have? Energy, right? Every one of them. Doesn't matter if you're a railroad or a train or an airline or a busing company. So Obviously, interest rates, energy prices, anybody that has heavy debt can be influenced. Um, energy prices also affect American Airlines. I can show that as well as you like. But this is a pretty good idea. To, and my way of thinking, I want to look for buy signals on American Airlines. I expect this market should rally until somewhere in the end of next year. Clear, it doesn't call the exact low in the market. Sometimes it gets right at a high or a nice sell-off. But it's a general roadmap that I expect prices to follow. And that's just the correlation of those two markets. Do you want to look at um, energy prices? Oh, yeah. I want to look at everything you want to share. <laughs> while, first, uh, real quick, while, while you're going to the next one. So I'm uh -huh. thinking, how much weight do you hold uh, in your trades to when you see a cycle like this? Like, is this the first thing that you're looking at? Is this um, where does this rank, I should say, in weighting of, of one of your trade ideas? It gives me a bias and it says, can I confirm this with anything else? Now, we just saw the forecast of interest rates in blue. Now we're looking at the forecast of energy. Well, about the same thing. So I go, whoa, I got a couple of ducks lined up in a row here. So I really want to focus on this market to move to the upside this coming year. Uh, and again, you can look at the correlation of um, energy prices and how it's done a pretty good job of predicting uh, crude oil prices, of predicting what's going to happen to American Airlines. Uh, Blow these up a little bit. So, yeah, the, the the American Airlines stock pretty much can be influenced, as you would expect, by the cost of energy. And that tells us right now, if I'm an, an investor or I'm thinking about buying this stock or I'm in the stock, I want to hold on to it now. Whereas back here, when we see the energy forecast is down, I'm not interested in holding on to it. So to me, that's that's the most exciting thing I'm doing in the market right now. The other stuff, I, you know, I have no people call me legendary, Larry. I, I'm not even a legend in my mind at this point. Uh, it's just I'm really intrigued about how I can know the future. And this is one of the ways that I think can really help us 
uh, to get a fundamental view of the future, not just a tactical, oh, there's a cycler, but a fundamental view of the future. And that really excites me. I'm getting some questions in now. And uh, Kevin is asking, what is your Thanksgiving trade this year, Sir Larry? Keep up the great work. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, there's a trade at Thanksgiving. I haven't looked at it yet. You know, I'm, I'm semi-retired here. Kevin, I don't know. I, Anthony, maybe I'll come up with one to let you know. I know usually stocks rally around Thanksgiving. My all-time one that I, that I can remember still is Walmart always rallies at Thanksgiving, especially starting around Black Friday. Uh, makes sense. They have a lot of sales that take place at Black Friday, uh, the day before Easter, before Thanksgiving, everybody goes shopping. So certainly I'm looking to be long Walmart as a short-term trading opportunity shortly before Thanksgiving. As to <coughs> excuse me, the uh, specific stock trade, I just don't recall it. I haven't run the data on it, so maybe I should do that, but I haven't looked at that. This is a good question by Chris. Um <laughs> What are some really good stock screeners for technical setups? Do you even use stock screeners? Uh, well, I have a couple of indicators I like. Uh, one is my pinch punch index. One is I have a theoretical index of if the commercials that I've studied for since 1970 were trading stocks, would they be buying or selling here? So I, I know from looking at the trader data um, how these guys buy. So I can apply what I've learned from that buying to the stock market. And so I do look to see if, if, if the commercials were involved in the stock market, would they be buying now? So I do look at that. Uh, I also also look at fundamentals, price sales ratios, 12 month forward PE ratio and cycles. Uh, most stocks have pretty good cycles and seasonal patterns to them. So something I learned from you is what markets to use COT data for and which ones not to. Which ones do you recommend using COT data for? And which markets do you think it just it's not something you should even be looking well, at? You can use them on all markets, but you won't be real successful. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm asking. Right, exactly. Um, I found that they're not as reliable on the uh, uh, S&PE minis, the, the future indexes, stock indexes, probably because there's a lot of arbitrage going on. People might be uh, selling the S&PE mini and buying the DAX against it or buying the Shanghai index against it. So it's a spread. So it's not real buying and selling pressure. Also in the in the meat markets, there's a lot of guys that uh, are growing uh, cattle uh, or hogs and uh, they're really professionals, it's their business, but they don't have enough to do hundred contracts. So small speculators are actually pretty good in those two markets. Those are the only exceptions that I've found is that for the most part, the commercials control the game and the small specs where they can be small producers but not big enough to show in the reporting in cattle and live hog can be pretty good. And be careful of using any commitment trader data uh, in the stock market. It's just, I haven't found a way to use it. it might be there. I just, I haven't been able to discover it. Not smart. Yeah. I remember it was a few years ago when we were, we met in person and I, somebody had said to me, ask, Larry, what he thinks of COT data for the S and P, and I remember just asking you that because uh, I know it was going to be with you, and <laughs> I just remember you you telling me that, and I learned a few things about the COT data then. So, it was, uh, thanks for uh, uh, teaching us, like you always do. Um, what other markets are you looking at right now? What markets are you positioned in right now? Um, short uh, heating oil. Uh, short what, heating oil. Can we yeah. look at that chart? <laughs> 
No. <laughs> Looked like a disaster. Uh, where's my eating oil chart? Uh, let's see. Yeah, I'm short heating oil. Uh, here's the chart. I don't know if you can see it there or not. Um, uh, get some stuff off. So you can see my position. I'm at about $7,000. Uh, it's okay. I also shorted uh, 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 unleaded gasoline today. Uh, let's see. We can see what's going on there. Yeah, unleaded gasoline is here. And I'll call this stuff off the chart so you get confused. And there I've got a profit of about $8,000. So I shorted it. When we took out that low, and I had been short heating oil. The reason why I think we the commercials have been selling this market, I think we put in a pretty interesting top up here, and we should come down. Well, you can see where my target is here, at least initially, until I move it lower. <laughs> and so we'll never get there. <laughs> it's down here uh, in this area where I take maybe a $30,000 profit on the trade. Uh, my potentials, now my initial, uh, this is important. Stop was it? I would have a loss of $26,000 in the trade. So I could make more money than my initial stop. Now, if the market's moving in my favor, knock on wood, it continues, I'll move that stop down. So almost right away, uh, my stop will come to here. So my potential risk is a lot less than my potential reward in the market. How did this trade initially set up for you? Can you walk us through that? I initially got short back here uh, in uh, crude oil uh, when we took out this day's low uh, because uh, cycles uh, were saying we should start to top in here. Uh, actually, it was on Jim Cramer's uh, Mad Money, if anybody's really interested in it. Uh, a week ago, maybe this Tuesday, uh, I outlaid uh, with Jim why I thought this market would come down. And I was really certain it would because, oh my gosh, you ought to see the YouTube comments. People were bombastic. <laughs> Call me nameless stuff. Who would sell energy here? You're an idiot. Kramer's, Kramer doesn't know what he's talking about. Whenever I see that much angst or anger about a position, I probably know I'm going to be right on a position. Um, but it basically set up fundamentally. And then it was just a question of, okay, let's use some short-term stuff in the market. You know, the market looks real strong here. Close above the prior day's high. It takes out that day's low. That's a clear selling point about what we saw today. What other positions are you currently in? Uh, well, let's look at natural gas. I'm in natural gas um, here. Uh, get rid of these charts. Uh, so you can see I sold natural gas here. You're short uh, this too? Yeah, I am. <laughs> What's so funny about that? I'm laughing because laugh at my trades I, I'm not laughing at your trades. I'm just laughing how much the body can take by being short all of these, you know. Well, I'm uh, not these, always short. That's for no, sure. Not was, all I, of these, I was saying. Not, I've just not been always. along the greens, and um, I took a nice profit there. We'll try to bring that up today. Um, oh, you know what? For some reason, oh. I'm not showing my position. But anyway, I, you can see I got short up here. And I actually shorted some over here, someplace in this area. Got out here and then resold in the bounce again. So uh, those have been my big trades. Uh, probably, I think I got a loser here. Let's, that shouldn't be too hard to find. So really, uh, a lot of it it, 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 it sounds to me as though in the energy side of things, you had cycles had started and then you had 
um, confirm with some technicals and th that's how these trades were generated for you. That's why you've been getting it. Yeah, here's Japanese yen. I, I bought, you can see my buys on the Japanese yen here. I got stopped, I'll stop out today over here. Probably should have my stop at yesterday's low and said I used the prior day's low and stop out here. So like I said, they don't all work out. And um, so there's, those are examples of what I've been doing in the market. What it, with the yen? Why why did you get long this one? Was this another one that was cycles? Uh, the commercials and... have been heavy buyers in the yen, and I thought we were going to have a bigger move. I thought we'd get up up in this area, and we still may. But uh, the commercials have had a lot of accumulation in this market, so um, uh, usually they're right. I like to trade in the direction that they're heavily long and short. How often? Would you run into a scenario where, like with this yen trade, where you got stopped out of it, but yet the commercials are still showing you everything that you want? Would you get back in to this trade? Oh, uh, sure, I'll get back into the trade, and it happens often. Um, unless you're a very short-term trader. When I won the World Cup Trading Championship, I was a very short-term trader. I was in today, out today, or in three days. But here I'm trying to capture a larger move. Um, so frequently I have markets move against me. Uh, that's not an unusual thing at all. Um, and frequently I get stopped out, but I'll look for a re-entry in the trade. Uh, so th that happens a lot. Raphael is asking this question. Do you still use your 9.1 and 9.2 setups on nowadays markets? I use what? <laughs> I, I'm not sure what help that. Me, I, I didn't understand. Raphael, I don't remember. I, I don't know what a 9.1 and 9.2 setup is. I don't know. Oh, maybe I don't know. Let's see. Mean sequential. Can, I'm not really you, sure. Raphael, can you hop back in and tell us what you mean by we'll, that? We'll see if he does. And then okay. another market that people are asking about is the Dow. Do you even trade the Dow? Is it mostly just the S and P? Well, and I don't I, trade. I don't trade the Dow, but I think the Dow is historically important. So I'm working, as I mentioned, on my 2022 forecast report now, and there I do use the Dow because we have so much more data. I have data going back uh, to the 1800s. So if I want to see if there's any really long, long-term cycles in the Dow, I can do that. As you know, in the S and P, we both started trading that in 1984 in April and began trading. So I don't have a lot of data there, but I have a lot more data in the Dow Jones. And for the most part, the Dow moves like any other stock index. The only big exception was 2000 and 2002. Um, but for cyclical analysis, trend analysis, uh, definitely I, I still look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Uh, for for me on a personal basis, I got long the Russell uh, based off a weekly close and some stuff I'm looking at. Great. I'm just curious, could you pull up the Russell and tell me what you think of that? I said, I just, I just got into that trade. And I'm just well, curious if you see, yeah. and also while you're pulling that up, how much of the S and P Dow NASDAQ do you, comp are you comparing them uh, for maybe multiple confirmations? Like, let's just say that you see something that's setting up in the Dow. Does that, w would you trade it in the Dow or would that maybe help you with your trading in the S and P? I'm just curious what you think about it. Well, I, prob I probably, you make a really good point. It's another one of my many weaknesses. I probably should compare the Dow versus the Russell or the NASDAQ or whatever. Uh, but I primarily just trade the S&Ps and I don't look at the other indexes again. And I really should. So you're absolutely right. So big wake up call for Larry Williams today. <laughs> I'm going to take a buy signal. So what? what's the symbol? I don't even know the symbol of the market. R RTY. Add RTY for transition. Yeah. RTY. 
And you know, when you when this one comes up, um, so it was in that big consolidation. We finally had a good weekly close, and I was just, you know, I'm curious what you see. Um, well, again, you know, I, uh, you know, I mean, I like to understand the future. I like big consolidation. Look at this. When the breakout came, the energy prices were were telling us, you know, a month and a half in advance, we're going to have a breakout of this consolidation. We knew that based on this point. So that can be so helpful. But once we have a breakout, how high will we go? Only God knows. Yeah. I don't have any idea. So if I were to take a, a, a trailing stop, I, I mean, a target, I would go from here to here, add that. So someplace we're not too far away from it. But I, we don't always go to targets, especially if I'm in the trade. So I like to have a trailing stop. Usually it's the lowest low of the last three or four days. So yeah, uh, clearly there are a lot of buy signals in this area, as you can see. So nice breakout, uh, target, uh, someplace not too far away, probably maybe all the way to uh, 2,500, but time for a trailing stop as a short-term trader. Longer-term trader, well, we should continue moving higher. So if we get a little pullback in here around Thanksgiving, maybe we can get at one more extension of this rally. Got it. No, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I wanted to see that what that cycle looked like there. Another market that's on the move a little bit today and as of late really is, is gold. Maybe you want to pull that up. Just curious what, what, what you're seeing there. Because that thing has been, for me, a torture chamber this year. Where it's been a tough market for me. <laughs> I, I keep trying to get long gold. I, I haven't traded it in a few months, but I know, I saw that it broke out again. And I'm just... Well, they're all torture markets for me. That's <laughs> my gold chart. So again, this is a forecast based on other data that suggests what gold should be doing. And it suggests that we should see a low in this area and a continuation of rally till the end of the year. Uh, the forecast has been pretty good. In terms of commercials, the commercial were heavy buyers back in here. They were heavy sellers over here and they have not moved to a heavy sell point yet. So buy signals in this area, I did something for Kramer on that as well and gold price should rally here. Uh, the fundamentally set up to rally. There's a question of how long. Well, we can get some idea of that from the intermarket forecast and maybe some time cycles from gold as well. But generally speaking, this forecast has been pretty good at its ability to forecast. Here's a rub with these intermarket forecasts that you need to know, though, Anthony, is that at times uh, energy prices affect, say, stock markets more than interest rates. When interest rates are real high, uh, energy prices don't affect stock market prices as much as interest rates. So this this goes back and forth between which market has an influence on another market. This is not something that's set in stone. So it's something you really have to adapt and play with. And that's the joy of being a trader. Like, oh, I think I got it figured out. This is all a detective novel for me. So just to summarize everything, it really it, it comes down to what you're seeing with these um the forecasts, and then are you looking at cycles, then technicals? I guess I'm just looking at what the timeline is of what you look at before you get to the trade decision. Well, this is on a weekly chart. I think we're in weekly here, right? Uh, so uh, I'm once, yeah, we're on a weekly chart. Once I get an idea, oh, there should be a rally in this area, then I can go to the daily charts. And this is not going to stay the same because the scales are going to change here, but Let's go to daily chart of gold. But we know generally the recent area is an area of where we should expect prices to rally. And 
we can then look at other data. The commercials got really bullish right in here. They were buying that big down day. We had a nice breakout of this trend line coming down. I love these days that come snap down. They flush out all the stops and immediately come back. Well, there's your entry point. Hello. And now the question is just how much higher will this go? Well, probably some place up to 1900, something like that. But this, we're in a good, strong gold rally now. And we, you know, we have some fundamental reasons for that, for that taking place. In addition to commitment to trader, the small speculators were not bearish, uh, were bearish in the market. So there, there's, I always like to have a fundamental reason on weekly charts to get into the market. And then I go to the daily charts to look for these little, little whatever I'm looking for. Everybody has their own entry techniques, and but they work. A buy signal in a bear market isn't as good as a buy signal in a bull market, clearly. So I want to establish that first with the fundamental condition this market should rally. So I then want to take buy signals and gold. This is a good question by Tim. Tim is asking, where should a trader start to begin educating on fundamental analysis? Are there any books you recommend that provides an in-depth foundation overview learning fundamentals? Uh, unfortunately, I don't know of any. Um, Tim, I just don't know. All mine has been didactic. I'm looking at these charts and trying to put pieces together. There are a couple of fundamental books. Conrad Leslie wrote one many years ago, uh, uh, crop reports and stuff of that nature. But frankly, some of them were over my head. I didn't really understand it. And um, so um, I, it's just a learning experience. I, I, I wish there was a book that said, hey, this is the fundamental situation. This will work forever. What I found to me, what works, what does hold up, commitment to trade report, that's fundamental of the nature of the market. Seasonals are pretty good. They, we usually follow seasonal patterns. Those are fundamentals. Accumulation of the market, that's fundamental to the marketplace. So I'm looking more that type of fundamentals than uh, supply demand crop reports because these aren't crop reports. Some people argue it's bullish, some will say it's bearish, and then you're mixed again. So you're right back where you started. So uh, I, boy, I wish I had an answer for you, and I just don't. Mark is asking a question. Could Larry talk about the day of week benefits? Does he still use the DOW to make decisions? Um, maybe not necessarily to make decisions, but as an influence. Clearly, the, the leading one is the bond market. Way back in the late 1970s, we found that bonds tend to decline more on Wednesday than any other day of the week. And look what's doing now. That's <laughs> a Wednesday, they're down, right? So um, uh, there are some short-term advantages for a very short-term trader you can take advantage of. Stocks have put in some phenomenal bottoms on Tuesdays, going all the way back into the 1930s into the 1900s, actually. So two, I call it a Tuesday turnaround. So there are days like that that are unique to markets. I think Thursday is the best day in uh, soybeans that they usually, will, if they're going to rally, that's going to be the rally day. Gold Fridays have been a big rally day in gold. So why they're there, I don't really know, but they are germane to what I do and can help me. I wouldn't buy uh, gold just because it's a Friday. I would want something else going on, but I got into Thursday and I see a pattern that I like. Uh, yeah, then I, I have more data, more con more confidence in the trade. And that, that to me is the most important asset you can have is confidence. If you don't have confidence, whew, you ain't going to make it in this business. You have to have confidence 
to fail and confidence that you will survive. I'm so glad you brought this up. I put a tweet out the other day and I was talking about how important confidence is because of exactly what you just said, confidence in, confidence out. If you have a weak hand in the market and you're not 100% sure why you got into that trade, even if the trade ends up working out, you can end up screwing it up. Like I've been confident in trades where they didn't work out, but I traded them well enough and still squeaked out money or lost a little or broke even on them because I knew exactly what I was looking for. I, I don't know why people don't talk about that enough. I mean, this is a big part as to why I think people need to spend time doing this stuff for themselves to actually know the reasons why they're getting in. Right. Well, you've, I'm certain you have seen, especially on the floor, blown out traders and they could never come back. It wasn't because they didn't have money. They didn't have the confidence. They were yeah. emotionally blown out. You see that in athletics too. It's, it's not a unique thing to just trading. Um, but to me, the confidence is like, uh, whatever it is, I'm, I'm going to pull out of this thing. I will survive. So how do you get that much confidence? You never bet big. Because I can always come back from a little loss, but I've had big losses in my career. Coming back, wow, that's really hard. Oh, uh, so if you don't bet big, you'll have a lot more confidence that you can come back. We'll take a couple more questions, Larry, and then we'll wrap it up today. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this, by the way. And this sure. one's actually, I think, kind of funny because we're going to see what you think about this. Uh, Larry, any predictions for Bitcoin? <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know what it is. I don't understand it. I don't get it. it makes no sense to me. So, but uh, I did a, uh, you can go to YouTube. I did a show for stockcharts.com on Bitcoin because what I found is the same indicators that we use for stocks and futures have apple great application to Bitcoin. This tools of our trade. Now, you know, if you want to build a ranch style house, you're still going to use hammers and crowbars and saws. If you want to build a colonial mansion, you're still going to use hacksaws, uh, saws and a uh, plumb and hammers, right? So the same tools can be used. It's not a mark that uh, I'm attracted to, so I can't make a comment, but I know the tool work. Also in that question, um, they asked, also any recommendation for investors holding growth stocks when inflation is this high? Wow, that's, that's a really heavy question. The thing that concerns me the most about the stock market right now is inflation. Typically, when inflation has been above 5%, we've seen bear markets start. So I'm really worried about it. Um, I don't have any sell signals yet. I may get one this coming year. But at this point, that's the big, the big grill in the room. Secondly, I would make this point. My studies show, and it's so strange, that value stocks outperform growth stocks. And you would think that a growth stock would outperform value stocks, but study after study, if you just look at the value funds uh, from uh, Fidelity versus the growth funds from Fidelity, small cap value funds do better than the other funds. So, uh, and when I'm at cocktail parties and people talk about growth stock, it sounds like they should do better. But the reality is I think value stocks do better. So I'm a value stock guy, not a growth stock guy. Larry, thank you so much for, for speaking pleasure. with me today, answering all these questions. You're so generous with your time. I don't know anybody out there who's reached more traders helping people learn about uh, about trading than you. So it's, it's an honor to speak with you today. Tell everybody where they could find um, more information about you, your website. This is the best website of all time, everybody, too. No, we, 
we don't. I'm retired. <laughs> don't don't look for Larry Williams. <laughs> we don't want anything. Okay, you guys just go have good trades. <laughs> uh, yeah, really, it's so hard to retire <laughs> in this business because I keep getting emails and comments. But yeah, really, you know, I'll do my annual forecast. You can go to IReallyTrade.com, find out more about it there. But uh, yeah, we're really we're trying to wind things down, and I'm failing at retiring, so I'm working hard on this. I really trade.com. It's just great. Uh, I love that, that website. And well, as you can see, I still do. I don't know if you noticed the size of the positions <laughs> I had there, but those are not small positions I had on. No, I still do this. That's why even I was laughing. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, he's still going at it like this short and natural gas and all these energy markets and just like how much the body can take. And um, you're, it's just always so much fun to speak with you. I learned something every single My time. I, I really do hope we get to see each other again in the future soon. You know, I've been seeing you in a couple of years and um, who knows, hopefully we, uh, are you going to be oh, doing any oh. live events anytime soon or no? <laughs> No, they're going to stuff You're me and done. push me out in a wheelchair. <laughs> they're going to take me to Come on, there. <laughs> no, I just, you know, I'm trying to, you know, at my age, how many years do I have left? 20, 30 years. <laughs> so I'm I'm cutting back quite a bit. I It would take a lot to bring me out. I've done some webinars. That's fun. I do the Kramer Show, do this with you, which I thoroughly enjoy. I hope I can spread a little bit of information because most people, as you know, that are uh, – teachers, educators, really don't trade. Um, oh, it's all, uh, you know, subjective stuff. Well, mine's real, as you saw. I have real losses. I have real trades. Um, so to, to just share this knowledge has always been a real thrill for me. Yeah, like I said, Larry, we, we, we can't get enough of you. And I know that you're trying to retire, but we'll, we'll continue to keep in touch. And once again, thank you so much, my friend. That's all I could say is my thank pleasure. you for everything thank you do. It's a real all honor right. to be here. I'm glad you think of me. Thank you, guys. And everybody, good luck and good trading. <laughs> all right, Larry, I'll see you. All right, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the podcast, give us the thumbs up and hit that like button. Uh, never miss an episode of Futures Radio Show. Hit that subscribe button. And if you're listening to this uh, on audio, give us a five-star review on iTunes if you're enjoying the podcast. This will be recorded. This is recorded and will be uh, everywhere where all the podcast is available. So be sure to check it out there. Like I said, man, all I could say is it's just so much fun and so great to be able to speak with Larry Williams. I know I learned a ton. Hope you guys did as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Never miss an episode. Go to anthonycrudelli.com and get on our email list for show notifications and for free content that is exclusively for subscribers. Also on anthonycrudelli.com, you will find tons of videos and education on trading futures, options, and crypto. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Opinions expressed are solely my own and my guests, and they do not express the views or opinions of my sponsors. Future's radio show is produced by Crudelli Productions.